go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 as we get started this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Once again, I do welcome you all out this morning. Glad you could be here and encourage you to join us afterwards for lunch so we can have some time of fellowship there. And uh, hopefully you're encouraged in God's word this morning. I've been encouraged and I want to share a couple things. First of all, I'm very thankful for this church. I'm thankful for Pastor Teasdale and um, we're getting ready to celebrate 20 years now. 20 years as a church. I've only been here a year and a half. I haven't been here that long. And as far as the the history of the church, some people go back for a a ways, at least 15, 16 years. I know some and uh, appreciate the Boyce family this morning. That was a good song. That was a blessing. But you guys have been here for quite a while as well. And um, Boy, Pastor Teasdale, the Lord's used him in my life in particular, and I don't want to lift up man. We've got to be careful of that, that we're not elevating man and lifting them up. In fact, we'll see what the Bible says about that and some things. There is a, a little bit of that, but ultimately it all the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God, and that's very important. But God uses people, and he definitely has used them in my life and uh, as a blessing to me and a challenge to me in both my thinking, my um, Christian walk, and my dependence upon God, my need for my dependence upon God. And uh, I'm really excited to, to share this thought with you in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Uh, one more thing I want to address. I, sometimes I say things, you know, you get up here, you get a little nervous. I don't know. If, I do. You may, some of you may not, but uh, okay, not you. All right. I, I get a little bit nervous, and I say things, and I think, oh, that probably came out and sounded terrible. Let me make sure I'm understanding. I am not saying anything negative about the, the prophets in the Old Testament. I'm not belittling the scripture. Uh, my point was earlier when I was talking about that is to say there are some wonderful truths in the Old Testament still that we can glean and get and God can use in my heart. In fact, some of those closest things, the most important things in my life have come from that Old Testament scripture in the uh, from Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the way through the end. So I'm not trying to put that down. Hopefully I didn't come across that way. And if I did, I am sorry, and I stand corrected. God's word is important, all of it. I am glad we live in the New Testament age, and I'm glad I have the New Testament, and I enjoy that, but uh, God uses all of it to develop us and work in our lives. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 here as we get into the message this morning. The goal and intent of this message is to challenge us as we come into this time, we're looking forward to the church's anniversary in a couple of weeks. And my goal and challenge is he addresses, as Paul is addressing the church here at Corinth, we can take these things and apply them to us at Faith Baptist Church. And the people that are members here, that are attending, that are friends, that maybe need to be part of the church, that need to be join in and, and take that step. Um, the challenge is, is to see what is my involvement? What purpose does God have for me in my life? What do I have here? Where am I at? And as a body of believers in the body of Christ, we are to, of course, show forth Christ's gospel and to tell others about him and to exemplify that in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, all over the place. And uh, what does God have for us, though? There's specific things that God gives to us. So let's look at, in 1 Corinthians there in chapter 16. You see the verse 15 leads into it, or chapter 15, I'm sorry, verse number 58, there at the very end. Oh, I can't help it. i got to back up one more verse, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the, vic- or giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... 
Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I could have used this verse, to, you know, the passage. It's very similar to what we're going to talk about in just a moment. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then he gives his conclusion of the, of the chapter. As he closes out in the chapter 16, he's, he challenges the people concerning the collection. He says, take up, think of others, help others in this. I want to do this. And then... He gives a challenge to Timothy in verse number 10. He says, let no man despise um, him. Let no man despise his youth, as, as he tells him later on. He talks about Apollos in verse number 12. And I greatly desired to, him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. And then verse 13 and following. We're going to look at these and concentrate on these this morning. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first roots of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. As we look at this, the conclusion to the first letter to the Corinthian church came as an exhortation. It exhorted them. It was a challenge to them, basically. It summarized much that had gone on before. He pointed out some of the faults that the Corinthians had had. It was a book of rebuke in a lot of it and correcting um, inappropriate behavior and, and actions and things and saying, I imagine as Paul's writing these things or as he hears the news, he's going, oh, no, no, no. How did they get that from that idea? How did they come up with that? From that, 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 no, we've got to correct that. No, that, that thinking's wrong. Their actions are wrong, such as the Lord's Supper. It's a feasting time, and no, they're despising one another, and they're, they're getting gluttonous, and, and some are, you know, getting drunk during that time, and things like that, of that nature. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what this is about. We've got to correct these things. He's writing this out. So he concludes, and he says, he begins by saying, with all those things in mind, they tended towards false security, reliance upon gifts and teachers. He says, watch ye, watch out for these things. He tells them, watch out. They were wavering and adhering to the gospel and the faith with he, which he preached. They were following false doctrines that were there. So he says, stand fast in the faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as even as unto babes in Christ. Babies in Christ, so the, the Apostle Paul then incites them to seek the more of the qualities of manhood. He says, quit you like men. They were enfeebled by these false doctrine and abuses of spiritual gifts, unfaithfulness in their spiritual life, so he tells them, be strong. They were known also for their jealousy and rivalry, contempt and pride, more than promoting the gospel of grace. He said, let all these things then be done in love. As we look at these things this morning, my prayer is, and the prayer of each one of us should be, Holy Spirit, what about me? Where am I? God, help me. Point this out in my life. What areas? Apply this to my life. And that should be the prayer that we have. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing upon this time. Father, we love you. We do thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us, for the time that we have to be in your word. Lord, I need your clarity of thought. I need your direction, your words to say, I want to speak your truth, and I want to speak it in love. God, I pray that you would help us each to have 
as I always pray, open ears to listen, attentiveness. I know there's a lot of distractions that can happen. But God, an open heart as well that allows your spirit, the word of God, which is as a two-edged sword to prick, to pierce, or to comfort and to guide. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we start, we jump right into this passage. I'm going to take the points here and we'll briefly go through them. And I want to bring our attention to verse 15 at the end. But right now, looking at verse 13, we see, first of all, he says, watch ye. He tells the people, watch ye. The plurality of that ye means that he was speaking to them as a whole. He says, watch you people. It's a military metaphor derived from the duty of those who are stationed to guard a camp. Of course, those that are in the military know how important that is, especially now we have modern technology and you've got you know, all the cameras and all that stuff doing it, but especially during the time before all those things, that was an offense that was worthy of death, to be sleeping on guard, to be caught sleeping on guard or unfaithful in that duty. He says that was an offense that was worthy of death. And um, because so much depended upon that, being watchful, and watching out for enemies and anything that might come in and take them unaware. And uh, that was, a, that was a, a top uh, problem if they didn't do that. And he says, those who are stationed to guard against the camp or to observe the motions of an enemy were to be extremely watchful. And we use the word vigilant, being very vigilant in it. There were many evils in the Corinthian church, these dissensions, these heresies, immorality even of that was even the heathens, it says, even the people that were in the world wouldn't speak of. And they were saying, oh, that's weird. You shouldn't do those things. And it was in the present in the church. He says, hence, there was this great necessity for being watchful for these things to come in. And do not evils abound in our times and in our place. Of course, there's the doctrines that are out there. There's many things that occur. And we're going to see some different ways where we've got to be watchful. First of all, we need to watch against dangers from without. Dangers from without. False teachers, bad examples, unholy influences, satanic attacks. We have to be mindful of these things and be watchful towards these things. We need to be awake. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 verse 6 tells us, Therefore let us not sleep as, uh, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. When I think of that word sober, that serious mindedness, I think of the, the intensity of that as described in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll see that passage at the end, but right now, verse 8, when he says there in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Why? Well, the emphasis is on the fact because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Hmm. You have an adversary that's there that wants to destroy lives. He is the destroyer. I heard the other this past week, somebody was talking about how the devil loved them. They said, I follow the devil because he loves me. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about some twisted thinking. And someday, if they don't change, if that thought isn't changed, if that mentality, I think they just say it out of, you know, to get a reaction. But really, in reality, if that's their thinking, if people really think that... I say that the devil loves me more than God loves me. When the reality, when they face their eternity in hell, and they understand that he is nothing but a destroyer, he's a thief. He wants to steal peace. He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to destroy lives. And he's our adversary. He's as a roaring lion. So it warns us, be sober. 
be watchful. Be watchful. So watch out from the dangers from without. But also, again, we have dangers from within then. We have dangers from within. We have this flesh. Often we tempt and deceive our own selves. It comes from within. Our greatest enemy truly is from within. And when it cohorts and when they join together, they join their forces, the old flesh and the devil get together and the demons get together. Boy, that's a, that's a formidable adversary. One that we cannot overcome except through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we're guaranteed the victory. But if we're trusting in ourselves, the Bible gave this example, and we see that example in Matthew chapter 26 when the disciples are there joining with Jesus, and they, they understand they're, they're overwhelmed almost with that, that mood of depression that Jesus had, you know, he had brought them, he had talked to them, he tried to encourage them, but he had told them, you're going to all forsake me. You're going to go away. I'm going to be taken away. I'm going to die. And they're like, no, no, this can't happen. Well, you're supposed to set up your kingdom and it's supposed to happen. You're going to kick the Romans out. All these good things are happening. He says, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. And Peter said, I won't let you. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he tells them, you know, no, Satan. He calls Peter Satan. And he says, don't do that. And Peter's like, whoa. And then Peter says, yeah, no, I will stay with you. He says, no, you're going to deny me three times. He says, that's what's going to happen. So they're all there and they're all discouraged and they go out there and he says, now, you got you to pray with me. You got to pray. We need our heavenly father. You need our heavenly father. And he tells them in Matthew 26, verse 41, and he says, watch and pray. Now listen to this, that she entered not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the problem the disciples had at that time is they were depending not on the strength of God and not on the strength of Jesus. They were saying, I can do this. I've got it. Peter, you know, well, what did he do? I've got it. He, he draws out his sword. Yeah, he's going to attack the enemy. Cuts up. That was the worst way to do it. And Malchus turned his head and got his ear cut off. You know, the, the high priest thing. So he turns. He's ready. He's going to show it in the flesh. He's ready to fight. After he just woke up from a deep sleep that he was in when he was supposed to be praying and preparing for this. So he wasn't ready in that sense. He cuts it off. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not how he is. Picks it up, heals his ear, puts it back on. No, this is not how it is. And you can imagine the despair. And then a few short hours later, there's Peter. I know not the man. I don't know him. Why? Because he didn't watch and pray. Because he didn't watch and pray. And, then, and we can sit there and say, yeah, that Peter, that Peter. But, oh boy, how often are we like that Peter? Or we're like Andrew, who says, except I see him, I won't see him, or I'm sorry, Thomas, except I, except I put my hands and my finger in the holes of his hands and thrust my fist into his side, I won't believe. I won't believe that he's alive. How often that's our faith and that's our ways. Why? Because we're not watching. We're not praying. We're not diligent. We need to watch for opportunities then on the flip side to be opportunities to be a witness, opportunities for usefulness. Our day is short. We must give an account. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And of course, with that, watching for the coming of Christ. Watching for that day as he approaches. He gives us that, that command in Mark chapter 13 verse 37. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, very briefly, he says in Luke, then, the same idea. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he, at that time, shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and I will come forth and serve them. 
for that time when Christ returns. We're looking forward to that time. He says, be watchful, though, be watchful. Secondly, we see not only be watchful, but be steadfast. We looked at that verse at the very beginning, verse number 58 of chapter 15. He says, be ye steadfast, unmovable. And he tells them again here, stand fast, stand fast. With that, they're planting their feet there. I like how Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 puts it and think about how this applies to us as a church and I want you to think of that as a whole as a body of believers as an individual yes but together together how we do this in Philippians chapter 1 Philippians chapter 1 if you're turning with me you can see it in verse number 27 Philippians chapter 1 I'm going to turn there and look at this one Philippians 1 verse number 27 It says, only let your conversation, that means your lifestyle, the way you live out your life, be as it becometh, that word becometh, in a manner worthy of, as it becometh, in a manner worthy of, the gospel of Christ. And don't get me wrong, that's not earning that way, but it's saying this represents, it truly represents the gospel. It says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're striving together for the faith of the gospel in one spirit, one mind. We're joined together. He says in what? Be steadfast. Be strong in this. Be strong in it together. Be steadfast. There was an example given from the Civil War. Of course, you've heard the story probably of of Stonewall Jackson. But the story is told of how he got that name, how he got that nickname. Thomas, uh, General Thomas Jackson was in the, at the first Battle of Bull Run in July of 1861 when he rushed his troops forward to close a gap in the line against a determined Union attack. Upon observing Jackson, one of his fellow generals reportedly said, Look, men, there is Jackson standing like a stone wall. Comment that brought about his nickname then. But he was known for, well, Jackson had quite the reputation as a good general being known for his military prowess, but his determination, his determination was given there. But he said, there he is as a stone wall. What a, what a nickname to have. But being steadfast. And we can see from this example that being steadfast then helps to encourage others. When they see someone standing and taking a stand and being strong, we can help others and as we apply that we think about that as a church as individuals well when we're faithful and we're standing strong we're doing that we can be a help and encouragement to those fellow believers around us that man there's hope in God there's hope there's there's victory to be had through here we can do this through Christ stand strong don't give in don't waver if you do get back up keep going there's hope in him We have that that goal here. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, it says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, when we say that today, you use the idea of the traditions of men. Mm, That can be a dangerous thing for sure. That definitely has danger with it. At this time, you've got to remember the, the time period that's here. It's a time period when they were being given the word of God. They didn't have the canonized, the complete word of God. So they're learning from the apostles that God had assigned, Jesus had assigned and given them to teach them in these things. 
So he says, hold fast to these things. The Thessalonians in this passage are exhorted to be steadfast in their Christian profession, to hold fast the traditions which they had been taught or the doctrine of the gospel which had been delivered by the apostle, either by word or through uh, letters. At that time, the canon of scripture was not complete, and therefore some things were delivered by the apostles in their preaching. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that's the key to it, and it was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which Christians were then bound to observe as coming from God. Now note, these traditions, there's no argument made for regarding oral traditions in our day, now that the canon of the scripture is complete. Such doctrines and duties were as were taught by the inspired writers, must be steadfastly adhered to, but we have no certain evidence of anything delivered by them more than what we find contained in God's word. Now, the key to all this is the traditions of men, the words that are spoken, have to always be, they must be in alliance, in agreement with God's word. When someone says, I have a revelation, and it contradicts any part of God's word, their revelation wasn't from above. It was from below. And their thoughts wasn't from God. He says, though I or an angel or any other man or an angel from heaven speak any other doctrine, it's, it's a falsehood is what he warned them of. It's, it's from the devil. Be careful of these things. But he tells them, it helps us, if you're going to follow these things, be steadfast in it. It's going to help you to grow spiritually. So going back to the point here, the traditions that they gave them were from the Holy Spirit. The things that they were teaching them were, were developing then the scriptures that we hold in our hands right now. So he's showing the importance of holding to these things, being steadfast, unmovable from those things. Of course, they contradicted the Jewish traditions. They, of course, contradicted society, the Greek culture that was around them, that was totally against it. The whole thought, the idea he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when he talks about in chapter 2, this is foolishness to them. This, this person died on a cross, the worst death you can die. What kind of power is that? That's weakness. No, that's, that's the power of an infinite God and creator to humbly come down and to take our punishment and to submit to this death when he did not have to. Nothing could have held him on that cross. He held himself there. He kept himself there. He stayed there by his own will through the will of the Father. But he kept himself there. It was power, and they looked at it. That's foolish. That's weakness. That went against all culture. That went against all the thinking, he said. But this is the truth. To them, it's foolishness. To, to us, though, it's the power of God. The cross is the power of God. It's the power of God that's seen, and it's the power to overcome, then, the sin in our lives. It's the power, then, to have an eternal life, to overcome death through Jesus Christ. Not the physical death, but the spiritual death. We have that opportunity through him. He says, but you hold fast to these things. And then he tells us in Galatians 5, and then it keeps us, it, 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 being steadfast keeps us from being entangled in former bondage. Galatians chapter 5, if you're there, 2 Corinthians, and then the next book, Galatians chapter 5, I love this verse. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
He warns them here, don't be entangled again with that yoke of bondage. The Judaizers were there trying to draw them back under the law. You've got to keep the Sabbath day. You've got to do these things. You've got to do these things in order to, to please God. No, he says, I've come to fulfill those things. Those are fulfilled in my life and death. Jesus Christ was the picture, or he was the fulfillment of the picture of the Old Testament sacrificial system. He says, I've fulfilled those things. Don't let them draw you back into that bondage again. And how often we can be drawn back into the bondage of legalism. We can be drawn back into the bondage of this flesh even. And that makes us unstable. I like how it puts it this way. I'll share this thought. In James chapter 1 verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The instability that happens in people's lives when they begin to question things and go back and forth. What happens? They begin to doubt their faith in God, they begin to doubt their assurance that, well, am I truly saved? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm. Well, what kind of strength do you have then? What kind of strength do we have? I like how John, 1 John puts it. I know I'm, I'm going on in these passages. I got to keep going for sake of time. But in 1 John, that powerful passage when it says, if, if a man's heart condemn you, God is greater than your heart and knoweth all things. But, brethren, if your heart condemns you not, then you have confidence towards God. Boy, if he can get you all wrapped up in the fact that these people that believe you can lose your salvation, that believe that, oh, you know what, we're going to lose our salvation. And I, I, I went through that time in my life as a young man when I had a, a Pentecostal that I worked with, and he was a, uh, we'd get along, we'd share scriptures and stuff like that, and he challenged me as far as that was concerned. And he said, you can lose your salvation. You absolutely can. You can lose that. And I, he gave me passages, and I began to study them, and I began to think, I, I reached the point that I said, boy, if I find this from God's word, I'm going to have to change what I believe because God's word is more important than what I've been taught. But all it did for me then, it solidified in my life that if, if I can lose my salvation, then it becomes a work. Then it's not through the power of God, and God's lying then. He's not giving me that truth. He's the one that keeps me. It's his righteousness that covers mine. That covers my sin. It's all about him. Because when you're doubting and thinking, oh, did I, did I sin enough? Because at any point, any sin you do, you lose your salvation if it has to do with sin. Because whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. He is guilty of all. Our righteousness can never, ever, ever save us. And it also cannot keep our salvation. It's only his righteousness. It's his gift. It's his sacrifice that he did for us. Now, I got off on that side note. I'm sorry. But the idea that gets back there is we find from God's word, and if we're unstable in this way, we're going back and forth, we can't be a help to others. I know how this verse in Genesis, it talks about when, when uh, Jacob was talking to his, his sons and he was giving them his blessing. And he, this, this, took, this hit home because I'm the firstborn. And he says, Reuben, my firstborn, son of my strength. And I'll read it. He says, thou art my firstborn, my might. And the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. And you can imagine. Can you imagine him right there? Boy, he's, his buttons are starting to pop. Man, Dad, you got it, Dad. That's right. Boy, that's good. And then he goes on. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. <laughs> oh, there went the wind out of him, man. And I, I thought of that. I thought, Robert, firstborn, son of the mother. You have these things, but whoa, you can be as unstable as water. Thou shalt not, if you're unstable as water, you will not go on. You'll not excel. You'll not go on. And I thought, boy, what a challenge there. But how does, where does that all come about? Not being steadfast. 
being double-minded, torn back and forth. Be steadfast. We got to move on. Move on. Moving on. Next, we see thirdly, quit you like men. You like that term, that old term there, quit you like men. Quit being a man? Is that what it's saying? No, no. Let's look at the terminology. This active verb only appears once in the New Testament, the idea of quit, that quitting, quitting here that it talks about, which expresses then Christian manliness. Play the men is the idea that's brought here. Play the men is what he's saying here. Behave as a man. Its meaning then is to render one manly or brave, to show oneself a man, not to be a coward or timid or alarmed at enemies, but be bold and brave. We have a similar phrase in common use today. Be a man. Show yourself a man. Christians, that idea, though, you know, and women, you're not exempt from this. It's not talking about that to the fullest. It's talking about maturity, growing up, being strong in this sense. And strength in this goes right along with this. It's having that maturity in there. Remember a story of a, a little boy that was running through the house at his aunt's house, running through the house, and uh, running through the house, and there was a chimney place that was in there, or actually a built-up hearth that was on there. There was a corner just like this, and a corner on both sides, the chimney was there, and he tripped and fell and caught his head. I gave it away. There's still a scar here. It's me. He caught his head on the corner of the, the chimney, or the place there on the thing. He was running from his cousin. I, I think I was five years old. But anyways, blood. And that's what my aunt did. Blood everywhere. Ah! You know, she went, that, that didn't help the five-year-old. Ah! Ah! There's blood all over me. So my mom's taking me to the hospital. You know, they, we got, they got stitches and all this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, ah! And she's like, stop it. Stop crying. My mom was pretty rough, you know, in some things. And she's like, act like a man. I said, I'm not a man. I'm a little boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, isn't that how we are as Christians sometimes? Oh, I can't handle this. This is too much. Well, come on. Bring it up. But I'm not there. Well, we can be in Christ. And that's what we have to understand. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he says, mature in this sense. Let's be mature. And part of maturing as a Christian is understanding our position in Christ. Understanding what we have. Understanding what he's given to us. And the power that we can have through him. But looking at this specifically, behave as a man, be mature when contending with difficulties and opposition. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And hardness is going to come. Difficulties are going to come. We've got to look to God. You've got to be strong during these times. Now, we'll have setbacks. There's going to be times when we fall. We're flesh. What does he tell us to do? Well, a just man, he falls seven times. My, one of my favorite verses. You hear that one a lot when I preach or teach. Why? Just man falls seven times. But he doesn't stay there. He gets back up. And he, what does he do? He gets his eyes back on Christ again. He says, there's my strength. There's my hope. It's in him. And right along with that, we continue. I'm losing time now. Be strong. He says, be strong. Be strong. And with that, I say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But let's look at this. As we go in here, being strong, Proverbs 24, verse 10 tells us, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. 
Well, guess what? If we're trusting in this fleshly strength that we have here, some have more character than others. Some people are more disciplined. And they can endure for a, you know, a longer period of time. But what happens with that? Well, first of all, everybody fails. And everybody falls at some point. Some can endure it for a longer time until it all explodes and implodes and comes down. Then the bigger, it's a bigger fall. But with that also comes a lot of pride. And what does the Bible say about that, that proud? God resists the proud. I've got this. I've got enough character. I won't do those things. I've got this all under control. He says, no, no, that's not what it's about. Ephesians 6.10 tells us that, and as I said before, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we'll get to that in the conclusion of this all, but this all boils down to this fact. All these things, be strong, be watchful, be diligent. All these things that he's talking about here, quit you like men, they all rest on this fact that it's in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. It comes through his strength. Herein lies the keys to the strength. It's not my strength. It is the strength of, as we saw last week, my king. <laughs> Didn't you like that? I love that. My king. He is my king. And the words could go on and on to describe who we have and who God is. My king. My savior. I like this. My I am. You say, my I am. That's in proper English. No. The I am is the Jehovah. That is the all-powerful God that says, I am your everything that you need. I am all that you need. I supply those things, as he told Moses when he asked, well, who should I tell you that sent me? I am. Everything that you need has sent you. Everything that the children of Israel need has sent you. Everything that Pharaoh needs to understand, that's the one that sent you. And he's going to see it. Pharaoh's going to see it. I am hath sent you. That's why he used that, that word. But we, he is our I am. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11 says, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Now you can jot these down. I'm going to give you a couple verses. But Colossians 1.11, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. He gives us the power. He gives us the strength then. It's his strength that comes in us that allows us to have joyfulness during long, and long-suffering during trials and difficulties in our lives. He's the one that gives us these things. 2 Timothy 2.1 Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. So here we are in 1 Corinthians 16. We'll keep our finger there. We'll get back there. 2 Corinthians, though, Chapter number 12. Oh, beautiful passage. This one will preach a whole sermon. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Look at this and think about this thought that's here. Mm. Boy, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about the verse. And he said unto me, verse number 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. Think about this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. That is, the strength which he imparts to his people is more commonly and more completely manifested or shown when his people understand that they are weak. It is not imparted to those who feel they are strong and have it all under control. They don't realize then their need of the divine aid. 
It's when we're conscious that, and we are feeble that we feel our most, at most the need of his aid. And the Redeemer then manifests his power to uphold. And now what does he say then? The conclusion of that is most gladly, therefore, look at verse 9 again, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The very best thing we can do is to recognize the weakness and futility of our own righteousness and fall upon his righteousness. As I mentioned that verse in Isaiah this morning, in rest and returning, lying on him, trusting in him in his righteousness. The word rest upon properly means to pitch a tent upon and then to dwell in. It's used in the sense of abiding in the power of God and his strength. And I love it when that idea of that refuge, he says God is our rock and our refuge. We're in there in the shelter of a, in the time of storm. He is all those things. And when we think of our trials and troubles in this sense, we can agree with the writer in verse number 10 now. So when we think of it, and we think of God's righteousness, and we think of his power, and we think of that it's made perfect, and it's manifested when we're weak, we can then say with the writer in verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. What's infirmities? Difficulties, hardness, hardships, in reproaches, in people that are against us and fighting against us, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. The conclusion there in verse 10, for when I am weak, then am I strong. In this flesh, we don't enjoy those things. We don't want those things. But in his spirit, in his power, in his might, we can say, thank you, Lord. Now, what happens? Realistically, let's be real here. Let's be real as a church here. What happens? We get into the difficulties, whether financial, physical, uh, family, you know, issues and things like that. They come into our lives and we have those things that we're struggling. What do we do immediately? We go, ah, oh Lord, please get me out of this. You know, I want out of this. I don't like the pain. Yuck, get me out. I want out of it. What do we need to do? Stop. Stop. Look up, say, Lord, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. We look up and say, okay, time out, time out. Lord, obviously, there's a reason for this. I'm going through some difficulties. I'm going through some troubles. And it's hard, and I don't like it. And I want to get out of it. But God, I need a time out here to think about this and say, God, your will be done. You must have a purpose for this. I believe in you enough that you've got a purpose. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. But I'm asking for your strength. I'm asking for you to open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things. Right now, I'm just seeing the bad. I'm seeing all the negative that's going along with it. I don't like it. God, I'm asking your help for me to see the goal and the purpose and the intent. And if not, just help me to see your power and your strength and give me the right attitude. Give me the right spirit. God, I'm resting on you. There's the solution. We're going we're gonna to fall. I'm going to fall. We're going to fall. But we get our eyes back up. It's the quicker and the sooner that we can recognize it and understand, hey, and this is how I put it. You know, this is a little side note, but it applies. It's applicable. When we recognize that we are walking in the flesh, it's we, when we stop and say, time out. 
I'm walking in the flesh. I recognize it. I'm all self-centered. I'm all this. I'm all focused on my problems. Time out. God, I need you. Peter's prayer. Help. Peter's short prayer, right? Help. Lord, save me. <laughs> you know? It's the time when we call and say, Lord, I recognize I'm walking in the flesh. I need your power to walk in your spirit. It's recognizing it and then claiming his word and recognizing what we have in Christ and we can get victory over it. All right, moving on, moving on. We've got to finish up here. Be loving. The last thing, all this brings us then, we're going back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Now, uh, you know, we think of charity. When you think of charity, you think of love, you think of uh, weak and, you know, you know, just kind of lovey-dovey feeling and all that stuff. No, there's strength in love. I mean, he wrote a whole chapter here in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthians about love, about charity. And his, his start of it, so let's turn there, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm probably getting ahead of myself in my notes, but that's okay. 1 Corinthians 13, I need to, I need to get to the end. So 1 Corinthians 13, what does he tell us? Verse 4, well, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass. I'm annoying, basically. I'm annoying. I'm not helpful. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I've got it together spiritually, boy. boy. I've got it going on. And though I have all faith. i got faith, too. i got all these things. And have not charity, I am. Say it with me. Nothing. You're a loser. <laughs> all right, nothing. No, get it. Understand, what is it saying there? Charity is the grounds of it all. It's the basis, it's the foundation of it all. It's the greatest of these things. Without charity, without love towards God, without God's love flowing through us, all our works and things are a sounding brass. They're annoying. They're, they're, they're distracted. They're not, they're not for the honor and glory of God. And then he goes on to describe, what does charity do? Charity suffereth long. It's long-suffering. I think of that idea. Charity, it says in another passage, it's, it covers a multitude of sins, it says. What does that mean? We're, we're long-suffering with people. We're patient with people. It's, it's not easily provoked in verse number five. Not puffed up. You got all these things that, that it's not. Charity never faileth, he says in verse number eight. Never fails. It's going to keep us then being steadfast and strong and all these other things. Charity. He says, do all things through charity. And I won't take long on this, this point. But when we develop this, we become more like our Heavenly Father. This area of charity, it says God is love. We're going to be more loving towards one another. More patient, more kind, more caring. He concludes, though, look at this. And I want to bring out this last point. In verse number 15. It's interesting, the wording here, and I want to point, bring your attention to it. I beseech you, brethren. We're back in 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 15 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 there and verse number 15. I beseech you, brethren. Now keep in mind, he's going to continue the thought in verse number 16. 
He says, I beseech you, brethren, that ye submit yourselves unto such. But then he gives this thought in between. He says, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Once again, this word addicted is the only place where this is used in the New Testament. The only place where it's used in the New Testament. When we think of an addiction, we always think of it in the negative aspect. We think of it in a negative way. Don't be addicted. It's a bad thing. Bad. But he says here, what is the nature of this addiction? The nature of this addiction is the act of devoting or giving up in practice the state. It's the, the state of being totally devoted to something. Total dedication. So they have disposed of their ways and have devoted themselves to serve the saints, to do service to the people that were around them, supplying their wants, helping and assisting them on all occasions, both in their temporal and their spiritual needs. The history tells us, as, we, as I study this out, the family of Stephanus seems to be a family of rank and of means, and yet they lowered themselves, not in their rank and their means, but they took the means that they had to help people around them as much as was in their, as in their being, and not only physically, but also spiritually. Spiritually, because during this time, this was right at that time when it was just becoming close, to, or close to that time when persecution was going to get more and more intense. But people were losing their, their, their ranks, their position. They were losing their jobs, everything, their families, and eventually their lives for the sake, for the name of Christ. And yet these people were so addicted. They were so given over, totally devoted to this. They were willing to set all that aside and give themselves, give of their position, give everything to here. For, for the, what does it say? Ministry of the saints. The ministering to the saints. As we think about that, I don't know what the future holds, and none of us want persecution. I mean, it's not a natural thing to say, oh, I, I'm looking forward to some persecution. I hope they do terrible things to me. Yeah, no. You say, no, I don't want that. But we should say, God, if it's in our future, if that's what happens, Lord, I trust that you have the strength, that you will give me the strength, and help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful. But right now, during the time of peace, we say, what can we do? We can look for opportunities to serve. We can look for opportunities to help one another. But to bring it into context, and I close with this this morning, especially as we look forward to our anniversary at the church, I want to challenge you. Well, let's look at the context here. Let's look at and see what it's talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's everybody go here together and look at this. It says, Verse 15, taking out that idea of the addiction, that, that passage is there, he says, verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, verse 16, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth, that ye submit yourselves unto what? Stephanus and the others that are ministering to you. He says that ye submit yourselves. Hebrews 13, verse 17 has some strong passage that can be greatly misused. Don't get me wrong. It can be mis it's been abused. And we're going to look at the clarity. But Hebrews chapter 13, it, there's two passages there. Verse number 7 and verse number 17. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. And then we'll turn to 1 Peter and we'll be done. All right, so there's, there's the finish line. <laughs> All right. Hebrews 13, verse 7. 
he tells us there, remember them which have the rule over you. And he's talking about spiritually. Of course, keep in mind, keep in mind, at this time, the word of God is not complete yet. What is the ultimate authority that we have as Christians right now? God's word. What was the authority that they had then? Well, they, had, they didn't have God's word completed. They had the apostles that were given through the inspiration of God. As long It showed the fulfillment of the Old Testament, but they were given the written word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, he says, remember them. Keep them in remembrance in verse 7, who have the rule over you, those that are giving you the word of God. And have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Yeah, I got ahead of myself. Considering the end of their conversation. But then look at verse 17. This is stronger language. It says, obey them. Don't we bristle when we hear that? Oh, me, Who does he think he is? He's just a man. Okay, I understand. And we'll explain that in just a minute. But it's pretty strong. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. Ugh, we're Americans. We're we don't have anybody ruling over us. I'm my own man. No, we've got a Lord and Savior that should be ruling over us. And he's given us an under-shepherd that will give us guidelines and things in God's word. We'll look at that. But he says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pretty strong statement, but let's look at 1 Peter 5. And like I said, we will close here, 1 Peter chapter 5, with this thought. 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, The elders which are among you I exhort, as also, who also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also are a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He tells them, as elders, he says, Feed the flock of God. This is the, the goal and the, the ministry of the pastor, of the leader that he's given in a church. He says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, and not for filthy lucre, not for money, <laughs> not for the sake of getting rich. He says, but of a ready mind. Now, let's, let's stop for a moment and take Pastor Andrew. You know, and maybe, I hope he doesn't watch this, but, you know, <laughs> let's say, you know, Pastor Andrew, yeah. he's, is he doing it for money? I'll have you know, that man could be a millionaire. I mean that. He could be a millionaire. Uh, and, and we're not, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm just saying he has the capability with the talents and the abilities that he has, that if he wanted to, it'd be easy. But he's not. Why? Because he gives to this church. He gives of his time. And I, I want to be careful. I don't want to lift up man. But he's done a lot of sacrifice and he's done a lot of things here. So he's not doing it for money's sake. I don't think anybody here that saw what we gave him as far as a salary, and he ends up giving it away anyways and uh, helping people out with it, but he's not doing it for money's sake. Neither as lords, verse number three, neither as lords over God's heritage, but in samples to the flock. I get a little emotional. I got to be careful because he's been such an example to me. He's been such an example to me, and he's been so open. When I've struggled, when I've gone through things, he's given me advice that's been sometimes very difficult. 
He's given me hard things. I'll share it with Brother Marquis. I will not share it with the church. <laughs> but some things that you'd say, whoa, isn't that a little forward? No, he came from the position of love. He came from a position of authority that God had given to him. And he says, you need to correct this in your life. You need to deal with this. And I could accept it because I knew he did it out of a right heart. And he wasn't lording over God's people. He wasn't, he's not a dictator. I think you know the heart of our pastor. That you that know him well enough to know that he wants to lead by example. Sometimes he takes a strong stand on things. And you may say, oh, you're kind of like a dictator. Of course, I'm, I'm accused of being the, the music dictator, right, Matt? <laughs> We're joking about that. But anyways... He's not a dictator. And the Bible says you're not to have a dictator as the under-shepherd of this church. No, he's not a dictator. But he is to take God's word and say, thus saith the Lord. No matter what society says, no matter what the culture says today, this is what God's word says. And sometimes it's going to offend some. It's going to prick some things. It's going to be, we take those things. And sometimes he'll say some hard things to you as individuals. Some of you people have been there when he said, you know what? I'm going to give you some advice here. I need to give this to you. If it's in alignment with God's word, we're hindering ourselves if we don't listen and take heed and at least consider and prayerfully consider those things. If we come with the attitude, you're just a man, you can't tell me what to do. If that's our attitude and our spirit, we're only hurting ourselves. So I say all that. Look at this. What does he say here? Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. And there's the context of what that's in. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The context of that idea, God gives grace to the humble and resist the proud, is specifically talking about those that resist the authority that God has placed in the church. When God says, I've given you a pastor, and it's, he's not the Lord over, and he's not lording over, but he's saying this is what God's word says. And as we take that, that advice, we have to come with a humble mind. So many times we come with the spirit of, I got it figured out. They're the problem. No, we need to say, God, help me to be humble. Help me to see my fault. Help me to see it and help me to take this counsel, that this wise man of God that you've given to us, this counsel that he's learned through these years. And is he perfect? I don't want to lift him up to the level of perfection. He doesn't want to be lifted to that. If he says, and so many times he stood before us and said, I'm wrong. I've done this. I confess. I'm a man. I failed here. This is how we make it right. This is what we need to do. And as he leads and he goes forward, going back to the, the passage there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, we saw this here as he concludes with this. We submit yourselves unto such and everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. This is the challenge we have here. As we go forward as a church, as we go forward at Faith Baptist Church here, as individuals, be strong, do all these things. But it all comes on a dependence, a humble submission to God, first and foremost. And then a humble submission to his teaching as it aligns with God's word. The preaching and teaching that you receive. As you can search the scriptures. Find it here. Follow along and say, Lord, apply it to me. What do I need to do? What area am I wrong? What do you need to change in my life? 
And how can I, you know, I use that example of Stephanus. How can I be addicted to the ministry, to ministering to others? What can I do? What service would you have me do? It all starts on our knees, though. It all starts in prayer. God, I need you. I want to please you. What do you want me to do? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That should be the prayer of each one of us. Search me. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we love you. Lord, I, I thank you so much for your word, the wonderful truths it has, the promises that it, it has. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to submit to you, to submit to the teaching and the preaching from your word. Lord, we don't want to do anything outside of the bounds of your word, but we want your word to be our guide. I want your word to be my guide. I want it to be my life. And when I think of that in context of Jesus Christ is the word, my wonderful Savior, I thank you for that truth, and I pray that you'd help us to rest upon your strength. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if the Lord's working in your heart, this wasn't a salvation message, but I always give that opportunity if you haven't submitted to God's salvation, if you haven't submitted to his righteousness, if you're in any way trusting in your own works, I tell you, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Because it becomes a boastful thing. Look at what I've done. You're not going to stand before God and say, yeah, I did this, I did all these things. No, you're going to say, woe is me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, because without it I deserve nothing. I hope you come to that understanding. If you're not saved today, boy, you need to make that decision. Come talk to myself. Come talk to one of us. If you're not sure of that, if you don't have that peace of God, talk to Brother Matt. Talk to myself. Brother Zach's here. We'll love to show you in God's word what it has to say about that. But for us as members of this church, I challenge you first. If you're not a member of this church, you're, you're joined with us in fellowship. Boy, what, what will it take? What does God want for your life? What is his purpose and will for you? Oh, of course it's to be strong. It's to be mature. It's to do these things we talked about. But it all begins in a humi humility, a humbling of self. I pray that God will help you. If you need to take some humbling time this morning in prayer, I encourage you to do so this morning and ask God to direct your life as the instrument plays.
go ahead and sing this song, this, how fitting this song is. I Need Thee Every Hour. 394 is where it's located in there. 394, I Need Thee Every Hour. Goes my, my gracious Lord. Here we go. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can Father, we do love you. We thank you so much for your blessings, the promises from your word. Lord, I pray that today would be a challenge for us to, to go forward, to seek your will, to seek to align ourselves with your thinking and your way. Lord, I pray that you would bless the remainder of the time, bless the food that we have in the fellowship. pray that all things would bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. to do